Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. The Song of Solomon. E.C. Hadley. Believer's Bookshelf. Grace and Truth, Inc. 210 Chestnut Street, Danville, Illinois, 61832 USA Song of Solomon 3. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loves, I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now, and go about the city in the streets, and in the broad ways will I seek him whom my soul loves, I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loves. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loves, I held him, and would not let him go, until I had brought him into my mother's house, and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose, and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. Canticles 3 to 1 to 5. The Song of Solomon is not one continuous song but is divided into different parts, each part or section having a special theme of its own. Chapter 3 is a section complete in itself that subdivides into two parts, verses 1 to 5 forming the first part and verses 6 to 11, the second part. In John chapter 1 we see Christ come to his own as the light of the world, but he was rejected and consequently Israel has been left in the darkness of night ever since. In the first part of the third chapter of the Song of Solomon we have a prophecy of the Jewish remnant awakened while the nation as a whole is still in the darkness of the night before the Lord comes as the Son of Righteousness Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 to usher in his glorious reign. She has no rest in the world order, the city with its watchmen, verses 2 and 3, where she is and begins to seek ardently after her Messiah and finally finds him outside of that order of things where she was at first asleep and then brings him into her mother's house. The mother here and in verse 11 and in chapter 8 verse 2, represents Israel as a whole from the day the Lord delivered her from Egypt and established her as a nation in the land of Israel. And then she finds rest in the embrace of his love and welcomes him as the king of Israel, brings him into her mother's house, see Matthew chapter 23 verse 39, Psalm chapter 118. And so the long night ends for Israel and the days of her tribulation are over. The last part of this chapter begins with verse 11, it shows us Israel coming up again out of the wilderness, compare Hosea chapter 2 verses 14 to 23, purified by the fiery trials she has just passed through and beautiful with fragrant grace. A beauty that is not hers by nature but bestowed upon her by the Lord as the fruit of the work of his spirit in her heart. And then follows a description of the great king of whom Solomon, Solomon means peaceableness, is but a faint type. His glorious rest, his bed, well guarded from all alarm which he shares with his beloved queen, see again Hosea chapter 2 verses 16 to 19, is then described to us. The bed here is a symbol of rest or the place where one finds or seeks rest. Then this section of the song closes with the great joy of his heart in being united again to his beloved Israel and crowned as her king. This in brief is the prophetic outline of this chapter but we will now drop its primary application to the remnant of the last days and look at the practical lessons there are in it for us. In chapter 1 verse 13 we read, A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me, he shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. The myrrh was concealed in the bosom as a perfume. It is also a symbol of Christ's sufferings, being the life sap of a desert plant. So the meaning of this verse is that Christ, who suffered for her, is given the most secret place in her bosom, in her inmost affections, while the world around is still plunged in the darkness of night. And thus her person is made fragrant with his presence. Though unseen by the world, there is a sweet fragrance of Christ always going out from her. What a happy state of communion with the Lord with its resulting fruitfulness for him. But here in chapter 3 we have a different state. She is on her bed. Note the pronounced, my, my bed. 
she had been seeking rest for herself, but without him, as, alas, we often do, but it cannot be found there. She is lonesome and restless while the world is sleeping in darkness around her, for there is nothing in the world or any bed of our own making to satisfy a soul that has been born again. There is an inborn love for Christ in every new-born soul, and therefore when we are out of communion and have drifted to some distance from that place of closeness with him, the soul is left without the only object that can satisfy it. Not only is she in a bed of her own making, but she is also in a city where he is not. He is likened to the roe gazelle, or young heart, in chapter 2 verse 9, and the gazelle is never found in the cities that man has built, but out in the open country. The city here, well guarded by its watchmen, represents an organized society, a world which man has built up and ordered for his own satisfaction and pleasure without Christ. There is no place for him there. She seeks in vain to find him in its streets. When he came in grace he was rejected. They led him outside of their city and crucified him. Therefore we read in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 12 to 14, Jesus suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. As long as a soul is seeking rest and satisfaction in a world without Christ, he is bound to be disappointed. There is nothing there to meet the hunger of the soul formed by God for higher things. He feeds on ashes, a deceived heart has turned him aside, Isaiah chapter 44 verse 20. So this all accounts for the state of soul pictured to us here in these verses. She is lonely and restless in this bed of her own making in this city of man's building. Her association and mingling with the world without Christ has failed utterly to give her rest, and now fully awakened by these bitter experiences, she seeks him and him alone. That inborn love for him that is planted by the Spirit of God in every born-again soul, that had become almost quenched by her association with the world, is stirred up again to a more ardent flame as she turns from everything to seek him and him alone. She forsakes this bed of her own, all that wherein she had sought in vain to find rest and satisfaction for herself, for she could not find him there. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loves, I sought him, but I found him not. And so with determination she says, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets. And in the broad ways will I seek him whom my soul loves, but the results are still the same, I sought him, but I found him not. He is not to be found there either. She has to learn the lesson by one disappointment after another, that he is not to be found in this world of man's buildings any more than in the bed of her own making. She has to give it all up and go outside of it all. On her way out she meets the watchman, the watchman that go about the city found me, to whom I said. Saw ye him whom my soul loves. But those whom man has set to watch over that which he has built up for himself know not where to find him. They can give her no answer. She has to leave it all behind and go on further. But no sooner had she passed on beyond the city and its watchman that he meets her. And oh, what joy now that she has found him. She holds fast now to him. It was but a little that I passed from them but I found him whom my soul loves, I held him and would not let him go, until I had brought him into my mother's house. And the chamber of her that conceived me. Yes, she had to give up all to find him. A young lady once said to a Christian whose face was beaming with peace and joy, I would give all the world to have joy and peace like you have. And the quiet answer was, well, that is just what you will have to give to have it. You can't have it in any other way. And so it is, as long as we are holding on to the world we cannot have full joy. If we would have real joy in our hearts we must give up the world and its lusts and give ourselves wholly to Christ to be his and his alone. And in the measure we do this, Christ comes into our hearts and lives and fills us with the sunshine of his presence and gives us a share in his own peace and joy. Why are so many Christians not really happy?
it is simply because their heart is not wholly surrendered to Christ. Their heart is divided between Christ and the world. Entirely too many other things have a place in their heart, and so Christ gets but a small place there and as a result the joy is small also. If he were only given the whole place in our hearts he would fill our hearts with himself and with his own joy and peace. You may know you are saved, and may have peace with God about your sins, knowing they are all cleansed in the blood of Jesus, but you cannot have full joy. Peace and rest for your soul as long as everything is not given over fully to Christ and all that he cannot approve given up. But now one more important point before leaving these verses. We read, I held him and I would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house. She not only clings to him now with determined purpose of heart, but also brings him into her mother's house, that is into her own home, for as she is not yet married her mother's house would be her home. Yes, Christianity is very practical. You have to give up all for Christ if you would be a happy Christian, but you must also bring Christ into your own home, you must bring him into every detail of your life, into your home life, and into your business life, into your associations and into your activities. Have you done it? Are you doing it? Not only once in a while but every day and every hour of the day. If not you are not a happy Christian and won't be until you do so. You are not really happy and perhaps just don't know why. Well, the reason is just this, you have not really given up all for Christ and then brought Christ into everything you do. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love. Till he, or rather she, please. The Hebrew reads till it please and the context must make it clear whether it is he or she. We have the same verse in chapter 2 verse 7 where we see clearly from the previous verse that it is she that is resting in his strong embrace, sleeping peacefully, while he watches tenderly that nothing disturb her rest. So here also in 3 to 5. No sooner does she leave all in her ardent seeking after him alone, and then having found him brings him into her own home, then we find her fully at rest. Sleeping peacefully in his arms, while he watches that nothing disturb her peace. She could not rest in her own bed without him, but now in his arms what rest what peace is hers. Have you found that joy and peace also? Are you seeking it in his embrace and there only? You will find it nowhere else but there. Who is this that comes out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? Behold his bed which is Solomon's, threescore valiant men are about it, of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war, every man has his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love, for the daughters of Jerusalem. Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousal, and in the day of the gladness of his heart Canticles 3 to 6 to 11. In Revelation chapter 12 verse 14 we read, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times and half a time. From the face of the serpent. And in Hosea chapter 2 verse 14, Therefore, behold I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her, and I will give her her vineyard from thence. And the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, my husband. And then in the Canticles 8-5 we read, Who is this that comes up from the wilderness leaning upon the arm of her beloved? When we read this sixth verse of the third chapter of the Song of Solomon in the light of these verses just quoted, we see how full it is in meaning. None but a divinely inspired writer could conceive of figures so appropriate and so rich and full in significance. 
the woman in Revelation chapter 12 is the symbol of the godly remnant of Israel of which Christ was born and which in the last days will be persecuted by the old serpent, Satan, and his two vassals, the beast and the false prophet. But the Lord intervenes in his providence and provides a way of escape for her and a place of refuge in the desert where he nourishes her during the great tribulation. Hosea chapter 2 verse 14 tells us that while in this wilderness the Lord speaks comfortably to her and she learns to know him as her husband. And in the Song of Solomon chapter 3 verse 6 and 8 to 5 she is seen coming up out of the wilderness leaning upon his arm. Thus we see chapter 3 to 6 as a beautiful picture of the remnant at the close of the great tribulation, being brought up by the Lord himself from her place of refuge which he had provided for her. There he had nourished her and spoke comfortably to her and purified her by the fiery trials through which she has passed. The fire only served to burn up the dross and purify the silver as is always the case when the Lord's beloved ones are called to go through fiery trials. We see her here then in all that beauty, adorned with every fragrant grace, that is the fruit, the results of the fiery trials she had passed through. This is the simple meaning of the pillar of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense and all the powders of the merchant. Smoke is the result of fire, and myrrh, frankincense and all the perfumed powders of the oriental merchant is the symbol of those graces produced by the Spirit of God in the heart. That gives a sweet odor of Christ to the Lord's own who have been passing through deep trials. She has not only been purified and made beautiful by the trials but she has also learned, through his tender care and his speaking comfortably to her, to know the Lord in a fuller, richer way. She leans upon him whom she can now call in the full joy of her heart is she, my husband. To sum it all up then we have in this verse the Lord himself introducing to the wondering gaze of all, his earthly bride adorned with every beauteous grace, whose heart he has purified and won fully to himself. He then brings her into his royal bedchamber, see Canticles 1 to 4, 16. Behold his bed, which is Solomon's, threescore valiant men are about it, of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war, every man has his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night, verses 7, and 8. The bed is the place of rest for the bridegroom and his bride. It is therefore a type here of that glorious rest that the redeemed remnant of Israel will enjoy together with the Lord, the Prince of Peace, for Solomon means peacefulness. We see the bed is guarded here by a strong bodyguard of sixty valiant men, which signifies that this glorious rest of our Lord and his redeemed Israel is secure and well guarded against any power that would molest from without. The rest and peace of the millennial age will be guaranteed by the Lord's mighty scepter of righteousness. There will be ample power to deal with any force that would seek to disturb that wonderful peace. Under Christ's mighty scepter of righteousness, redeemed Israel will enjoy unparalleled peace and blessing but that peace will reach out and embrace the whole world also. The bed is also the place of intimacy and love without which the bride would remain barren. How often Israel is charged with unfaithfulness to the Lord in the past and given to idols, see Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 20. But in the millennium she will be faithful to him and wholehearted and will bear much fruit and be a source of blessing to all the world. This principle applies today with equal force to the church and to every Christian individually. See Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Why is the church so powerless? Why are Christians so barren? The heart is not fully yielded to Christ and intimate communion and living contact with the Lord is not kept up in the daily life and walk. This is the simple and root cause of all lack of power and fruitfulness. King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem, verses 9, and 10. In these verses we have the description of the royal chariot or palanquin made by King Solomon. 
King Solomon, whose name means peacefulness, is a feigned type of Christ, the Prince of Peace in his coming reign of glory. There are five materials mentioned in the construction of his royal palanquin. 1. Cedar of Lebanon which is the symbol of stately, lofty, incorruptible glory. The cedars of Lebanon were hundreds of years old and the cedar wood does not rot or decay like other wood. 2. The pillars, or supports, are of silver. Silver speaks of purity, and of the word of God, see Psalm chapter 12 verse 6, and is also the symbol of redemption. See Exodus chapter 30 verses 11 to 16, where everyone that was numbered had to give a half shekel of silver for the ransom of his soul. 3. The bottom or base was of gold. Gold represents that which is essentially divine, the divine nature or righteousness. 4. The covering, or seat as some translated, is of purple, which is the symbol of royalty. 5. Then we have the middle part paved with love. So if you put this all together you get an incorruptible glory, cedar wood, and royal splendor, purple, founded upon redemption, silver, based upon divine righteousness, gold, and the Lord's love for his people. Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousal and in the day of the gladness of his heart, verses 11. All are now called upon to go forth and behold the king with his crown of glory. Israel, who once spat upon him and rejected him, humbled and repentant, have at last welcomed him with the cry, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Matthew chapter 23 verse 39, and acclaimed him as their king. What joy that will be for the Lord's heart when he reaps this sweet fruit of the travail of his soul. And so our chapter closes with this joy of the Lord. But before we leave this chapter let me ask you, have you crowned him as king in your heart? Have you rejoiced his heart by inviting him to reign supreme in your life and have full sway in all your ways? If you have not done so, we beseech you to do so at once. For it is only right that he should have this joy from you, for whom he died, and besides your lack of crowning him king over all in your life, is robbing you of usefulness and fruitfulness and peace of heart.